Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, bats and dogs, mm -hmm. iguanas, pigeons and squirrels. Yes. Y'all are tuned in for another episode of Southside Rabbi. Yes. I'm your boy. I mean the dream. And this is my brother across from me, my brother from another mother, same spiritual heavenly daddy, father. Easy. 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 And I got to tell you something. What's that? So, you know, like lately, I haven't told this to y'all. Y'all don't know that, but KB knows, like, I've been on my, like, financial literacy. Yeah. My, my, uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? My financial literacy right. bully. You know uh -huh. what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And um, I was uh, listening to this lady uh, who said something that I thought was really good. Yes. She was like, first of all, in life, there is a... Uh, there are trade-offs in yes. life, right? Yes, yes, And in life... There are certain things that you have to say, if I give time to this, I'm going to be taking away time from something else. That's right. So, one of, so we have limited resources in life. That's right. One of those limited resources that we have is time. That's right. And so, again, you give time to one thing, you're taking away time from another uh, thing. Yes you to something kinda, is a yeah, no, no to something, something else. else. Yes. Mm -hmm. So you got to kind of use wisdom with how you want to do that. Yes, sir. And then we have energy. Our energy is kind of like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the way that you're sitting back. Where is this going? <laughs> Our energy is like that. Like, I can't give my energy to everything. Like, right. if I'm giving all of my energy to something, I'm taking it away from something else. Right. So she was actually saying the same thing applies for money. Unless we're like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or something where money is just numbers on the screen. Right, right. Money is a limited resource. Right. When you're thinking about big purchases that you want to make or certain purchases. Yes. She had a rule that said you can afford anything but you can't afford everything okay and so she was like fair enough yeah so she was like if you want to buy a house she said you can you know save your money put your money together to get a down payment for a home or a car or something else big that you want to buy right but she said you cannot necessarily afford a series of ands like i want to buy this house and this and that right i'm gonna get this you know four hundred fifty thousand dollar home i'm gonna put 10% down and I want to get a, a, a brand new $80,000 car and I want to, she was right. like, it's going to, you got to do one thing first. That's right. And so as I was listening to her, I was like, man, that's actually really good because that allows you to budget your money well mm -hmm. and then have an idea of, you, you, you have this idea of self-control with your finances. Yes. Like I have to budget for this thing and I can't afford a series of ands. So if I'm going to get the car now, I'll get the car. Then later I'll get something else. Right. And I wanted to just tell my audience, because I love y'all very much, that it is exactly like that. If you are trying to think that you can be on the same intellectual level as Kevin Elijah Burgess. <laughs> When you sit back and you think about how do I become a author like him? How do I become a dynamic speaker wow. like him? How do I become a thinker like him? What kind of things do I have to dedicate myself to? What you have to tell yourself is, listen, if I'm going to try to be like KB, this is a series of trade-offs. So if I want to be able to be a, a thinker, a writer, a rapper like KB, I'm going to have to trade something else off. And for some of y'all, that's going to be your wife, your kids, your family, your jobs, <laughs> because that's the kind of work that you're going to have to put in to actually be able to reach that kind of level is wow. that it's going to be a 24 hour, 365 obsessed with trying to become wow. oh, no, you like 
a person that you're looking up to type of thing. Wow. And I'm just telling you, you all cannot be like KB and be a good husband. You can't be like <laughs> KB and be a good, a member of a good standing at your church. You can't be like KB oh. and be a good son or a good friend or wow. or or a good worker, a good employee or a good business owner. You can't do it. Wow. So I am just here for all of you that may be trying and wondering why things are crumbling <laughs> in your personal life. You are making a trade-off oh, no. that you cannot rise to the, uh, the, the, the occasion in order to accomplish because you just don't have it. Wow. And so rest in what God has actually given you which he's given you a lot, but he just hasn't given you like what he's given him. Wow. <laughs> and so, but accept it. There's a thing called radical acceptance. Google it. Radically accept that. Yes. And then move forward with the way in which God has gifted you in your life, knowing. Hold on to your butts. That you're always going to have to defer to your favorite theologians, favorite theologians. Ah. And once you accept that you can't afford a series of ands, that's when you can actually invest into what is important is in your life. To me? <laughs> so I just wanted to say that to you individuals wow. who are listening to this because I've had to accept it. Wow. And, uh, and uh, I want you to accept it too. Ah. So be encouraged. God bless you, KB. Ah. Elijah Smooth and Groove, Burgess. Don't leave your Bible around him. True theologian for real. Ask anybody. For real. Mm. What, a, what a guy. You dirty dog. What a guy, you sly devil. Man, that was incredible, bro. Trying to be as slick as a fox. That was incredible. I have been here racking my brain, okay? I have searched into the, 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 the deepest recesses of the neurological Googles that the exist. Neurological the neurological Googles. I, I, I put in, you know, funny content. Nothing came up, bro. It just said no results found. <laughs> no results. I put in witty response to I mean, no results found. Okay, then I just started looking at images so I can maybe get inspired. <laughs> I put like the universe. Yes, it, 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 no <laughs> results found. <laughs> My brain doesn't have. Thank you so much, bro. You and you win, okay? You can have that. <laughs> I will say this, bro. Did you see the fight this weekend between Jake Paul and I saw Tommy highlights. I, I refused to pay for because life is a series of trade-offs. That's right. And I refused, <laughs> I refused to, to put my $40 towards watching. Jake Paul fight Tommy Fury. Yeah, so we but can I pretend was, like this is real so boxing. We can pretend like this is a real boxing match. We all can continue this theater. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put my money towards actual boxing matches that are real. Yes. Uh, Michael Buffer uh -huh. was there in the ring in all his glory. Are you kidding me? With the the oil and gold that flows out of his voice. Okay, there's no doubt in my mind that on in. Eternity in the eschaton uh -huh. in New Jerusalem, uh -huh, uh -huh. there will be an intercom system. Uh -huh. Sony's gonna do it. Sony and Sonos, Sony, gonna, Sony and Sonos gonna come together. They're gonna have a glorified oh audio my system, gosh. and it's going to constantly have Bible studies, uh, uh -huh, sermons, uh -huh. uh, uh, theological aphorisms. Right, right. Done by Michael Buffer for all. If Michael Buffer sounds like this in time, what, what do you think? He sound like what? Wow. 
If you think Michael Kendall Buffer sounds, sounds cool, imagine what God's voice sounds what's like. What's a redeemed? <laughs> well, I mean, in some ways, I think that uh, you know he's he's got he, he's borrowing the an, an emanation of the voice of God. But that's because, what I'm saying. Because oh, God's got to be man. The, the source must be beautiful. Oh bro. my gosh. You're right. Yeah. Sorry, Michael Buffer. We ain't gonna listen to you in heaven. We'll be listening to the Lord Jesus Himself. <laughs> but bro, Michael Buffer is there. Uh huh. And uh, this is, you know, they they went through. They had press conferences. Like it's there was a real a, fight. Way in all of the stuff uh, Michael you would do for a real fight. If Jake Paul won the fight, sources say that he would be ranked as a professional fighter. Meaning, like he'd be he'd on be, the because, list because Tommy Fury is a professional he, fighter. Yes. Right. And and then and when we say Tommy Fury is Tom, a professional Tommy fighter. Tommy Fury, yes, but I he feel is. like he's barely a professional I mean, fighter. That's what I'm saying. Even in the build he's up. on the lower end of the spectrum. For those who don't know what we're talking about, Jake Paul is a YouTuber um, who ha who has uh, used his money, power, and privilege to actually take boxing very seriously <laughs> for the last six years of his life because he actually can do it. That's right. Like, uh, and, like um, and, and imagine just like being in a long line at Chick Fil A at twelve o'clock. Uh huh. And for whatever reason, you get to the back of the line and say, you know what? I just want to go to the front. And you just zoom right around everybody. Excuse me. I'd like to get a number one. Yet yeah, no pickles. And y'all know what this feels like when y'all in that Chick Fil A drive through at lunchtime right. and that mug is into the, these... and the cars are going out to the street. That's right. Because I'm right. convinced that cars every Chick Fil A all over the nation's That's drive through right. is that way. That is right. You avoid <laughs> accidents. People are cursing at you. Imagine sitting in that in all your anger and your sweat and your tears, and you just watch some guy in a Rolls Royce just. Being driven by someone else, just go right around all of you. That's what he did to the entire sport of boxing. That's true. And he's doing these massive fights uh, uh, against hand-picked fighters. That's Every right. single fighter he has I am sh that he has fought, I assure you, there is somebody on his team that has paid a lot of money to do an analysis. Right. They take weight, age, experience, right. skill sets, and then they generate a opponent for Jake Paul. Yes. And most of the times, that opponent is not even a boxer. So yeah. it was MMA, and they're, and they're a older. wrestler, a basketball player. Yeah. Yes. They, well, they, they factor that in too. Yeah. He's over the age of 50. All that kind of stuff. So, but did, he did he did stick his neck out. And I, and I do... He did for this one. Because Tommy Fury is a young man. Right. Uh, who he's, has he's, an awful record. I, I mean, he is undefeated. Technically, it's an air quote undefeated. Right, right, right. Uh, but the guys that he has fought, I am sure. Oh, they have I'm sure three you or can, four I'm sure that you boxing. can catch them at your local 7-Eleven. Or wherever else. Yes. yes. Laundry mat. Absolutely. But anyways, but the, it was it was actually a really good fight. But uh -huh. leading up to the fight, they had media, bro. Yeah. And they were he was doing media, uh, he was doing uh a, a show with this gentleman that just actually just launched a show on HBO where he's interviewed interviewing fighters, but the uh, the dude who was giving the interview, his name escapes me right now, but uh -huh. he is a very, very um, um, well-spoken. No, he's a uh, uh, he's a he's a solid thinker uh -huh, and uh, uh -huh. asks really good questions, good responses, and he's and he has Jake Paul on his show. This world-class journalist, yeah, Jake Paul's on the show, and uh, he says, Jake Paul, you know, what happens if you lose on Saturday night, mm -hmm. Sunday mm -hmm. afternoon? <laughs> in Dubai. So Sunday afternoon here in America. What happens if you lose? Jake Paul becomes offended immediately. He says, I am not going to lose. I don't train to lose. I'm going to win. And he said, I think the and then Jake Paul says, I think the only reason you're asking me this is because you were projecting your sense of inferiority on me. Oh, no, you didn't. Now, he doesn't know. Who, did, by the way, the guy he's interviewing has a, has a Emmy on the dresser behind him. Oh, wow. There's an Emmy. 
Just on the dresser, just, just, just there, there, just, just sitting there, and there's all its glory. That's right. Yeah. So my the the, the gentleman uh, snickered a tad and said, he said, "Bro, I'm not projecting anything. I'm just saying the reason that we all keep watching these fights is so that you would lose. Is because we want you because everyone is waiting for you to lose. Exactly. And then he responds. It's a Jake Paul response. Goes straight at homonym. Oh God! And says, "You're, You're ugly." <laughs> Your neck is you long. You got a big head. You know what? I have more money you, than you. Your jaw is weak and feeble. That's right. And I you're bet like, I can beat you. I up. bet your jawline is not existent. That's right. Yeah. How long would you last against Tommy Fury? Uh, last time I checked, I'm not fighting him, so I don't think that matters. Um, you have small eyes. That's right. It's like when Adrian Broner got checked in the ring, and he said, "You lost." The the the, the ring announcer said to Adrian Broner after he lost his fight, he said, "You've lost your last five fights or three fights. What's going to happen next?" And he said, "I don't know, but if I." Fought you five times, I beat you. Yeah. And the, the announcer said, "Well, that wouldn't mean anything." Yeah, I remember Back that because he was Jeff. eighty-six years old. That man's like ninety-seven. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so he says to uh, he says he goes straight at homonym. He says to the uh, to the journalist on his show with the Emmy sitting behind him. He says, "You know what, dude? I'm only doing this show because my media guy set it up. I've never heard of you." He said it with a little more colorful language. Oh. And then the media guy, the the journalist responds and says, "He said, dude." The only thing I know about you is that nobody likes you. And then it cut off. And in that moment, bro, I thought to myself, in Jake Paul's recently trained uh-huh. professional boxing mind, uh-huh. ex-YouTuber, and also he did a hip-hop song. Oh, oh he did. I forgot. Along with some other things that just... Set the set the set, uh, along set with the other community things back. What people with with <laughs> with privilege can do, bro. Because that's what happens when people have money and privilege. You start doing you stuff do that they should want. not do. Yes, and it's all successful. It right. doesn't matter, and it does not matter how hard you have, exactly. how authentic this has been. You might have traveled, lived among those people. It does not matter. I like what you did. We're doing it now. You're ghostwriting for me, whether you like it or not. Anyways, when that moment happened, I thought in Jake Paul's mind, he thought, I know how to put this guy in his place in the in. I know how to put him in his place. I know how to insult him for uh-huh. making me, f- making my fragile ego feel attacked. Uh-huh. I'm going to say that I don't know who he is. Yeah. And I sat back in that moment. And I thought, well, there's an Emmy behind this man. A lot of people know who he is, right. including HBO. They gave him his own show. Oh. He's a world-class journalist. The fact that you don't know him yeah. makes you seem ignorant to me. That's true. Maybe not to your fans. Yeah, but not to his me. fans, but, that is, but it's, that's the reality. But then I was reminded after that thought that that must be what it's like to be Amin Hudson. <laughs> if you don't if know if, who if you're he talking about, wait, 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 if wait, I'm wait. Jake Paul. If I'm, if I'm talking <laughs> objectively, if we're just looking at the facts of the brilliance, of the awardship, of the, the credential, of the ability, of the, 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 the aptitude and the magnitude, if that's what we are considering, if you ever fix your recently trained privileged lips to say that you don't know who I mean is, oh my gosh. as a joke on him, the joke is always on you. He is not only him, He's that guy. Oh, my gosh. And respect him as such. Make some noise for our meme, Dream Hudson. Thank you. And let's get into this show. That was excellent. Exquisite, Uh, I might add. uh, (laughs) I love that. Before we are continuing our series series here on Southside Rabbi. Yep. um, 
uh, in, in Dangerous Jesus. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I was thinking too, Rob, I'm What's talking up? to some folks. I feel like South, what I keep hearing from a lot of folks is that Southside Rabbi is kind of like the, the best podcast you've never heard of. Wow. I, I, and and uh, I, I, I hate to sound... I don't know whether to be uh, offended or or encouraged. I feel like the people on the inside are like going to like like the folks who are in our tribe. By God's grace, it's almost forty thousand of y'all that are that are rocking with us regularly. And I need y'all to buy this book, Uh, please. Well, buy this book too. This is uh, every moment, uh, every moment holy. It's very good as well. But when you get done buying that one, buy my new book, (laughs) uh, Dangerous Jesus, Um, my my debut book. But anyways. I think the folks that are in our tribe that uh-huh. are kind of with us on the block, uh-huh. it's almost like we are in some ways experiencing something that nobody, not enough people know about. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But we're okay with that because uh-huh. it's so good inside here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I enjoy meeting y'all as I travel around, hearing folks, you know, comment the ways in which they've been encouraged, different things that we've said. It Praise blesses God. us. In fact, there are a few things that I am involved with in mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. that give me life like serving you all on this podcast Amen. Amen. with my best friend Likewise. in the world. So anyways, <clears throat> we're continuing our series on Dangerous Jesus yes. that comes out March 7th. Yes. Uh, you, so that, which will be next week yes. for this episode. Um, I want to start each one of these series with the same prayer, each one of these episodes, excuse me, with the same prayer. Uh, just to ask God to help us. I wrote this book in the spirit of revival and expectation that God would meet with you as he met with me as I wrote it um, and uh, that he would meet with you through the work. So I just want to be continue to stay prayerful. So pray with me real quick. It'll be shorter than last week. I um, don't want to be long-winded with y'all, but uh, I do want to ask the Lord to bless this. Amen. Um, Father, I... Offer you all that I have, my talents, my training, the years spent honing and crafting and creating, my passions, my personality, my history, the, the many sacrifices I and others have made for this book to be possible. I give to you even my brokenness, my short-sightedness, uh, my weakness, which I am also a steward. I offer to you now this incomplete in, con, uh, in insufficient provision, provisions, remembering how you in your days among us, Lord Jesus, twice blessed inadequate offerings, fashioning them into miraculous feasts that would sustain crowds in their hard journeys. I pray that you would likewise receive and bless and multiply my own meager gifts, Jesus, for the benefit of all who are gathered here. Let these humble elements in your hands prove to be wildly fruitful. Take this tiny heap of my talents, our talents, and our brokenness alike, this jumble of what is best and worst in us, and meld it into the greater work of your spirit, using each facet as you will, so that even as the sunlight coursing through a cracked prism, your grace might somehow be revealed upon this stage in whatever glorified and peculiar patterns you have fashioned us to display. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> we bite, Sheldon. We bite. Hey, if you, it's on the south side of St. Petersburg, somehow, some uh-huh. way, yes. the letter A was abducted. Uh-huh. And the letter I 
was entered. Said, hey, A was starting off the alphabet. I, I feel like I should be starting the <laughs> alphabet. So I just walk right to the top of the alphabet and... When folks are saying stuff that should have an A in it, they throw an I in there. Right. So you say, man, what's the 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 part that is behind you that that has a large uh-huh. group of muscles? Uh huh. Oh, that's my bike. That's my bike. What did you ride here? Oh, a bike. That was my bike. Uh huh. If I let you borrow something, what do you? I need that bike. I need that bike. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to the store and I'm going to do it quickly, I got people be like, I'll be right. Bike. I'll be right bike. <laughs> I'll be right bike. Uh, I have always hated that with all my heart. <laughs> I love my my family. Me too. Uh, but every time funny. my mom does it, I don't care what she's talking about. I just say, mom, mom, my mom, I, I know what you're telling me is very important. <laughs> but I just need you to re-say bike is back. Please. Well, now you're getting your wish because Southside St. <laughs> Peter's being gingerfied. So everybody's saying back. Everyone's saying back. And they're saying, we want all of y'all to leave and never come bike. <laughs> Along with the term, so uh, your that your your whatever you wanted is coming to pass, my brother. Oh my goodness! I was riding through Southside St. Pete the other day, and it was so many big houses with white gates and palm trees, so they didn't have to see black faces down there. Oh my goodness! That I was like, oh my gosh. Yo, you a wild bro. I'm sorry, but I just had no, to say it, that. No, it's so funny, you know, bro, it's, because it's, it's, you it's know it's I have happening. to laugh to keep from crying. You know that your your community is being gingerfied when you start seeing coffee shops, yep. bike, bike shops. Jogging. You start seeing people jogging past 7 o'clock. Cats wear, uh, riding start electric people, scooters. Yeah, uh, you see electric scooters. You also see uh, cornhole. I saw cornhole. We South talked South about South. that. Oh, you told me. I'm sorry. You Corn- told me. You I saw- think, no. One of us saw. I think corn- you saw cornhole. I saw cornhole. Uh, uh, and what I, I said, said it is over. Cornhole. The city is invested. Cornhole in a brewery. Oh yes. And there's a brewery in South St. Pete. About them and it's ran by a lot of mm. nice people. They look like they're pretty cool. They don't. Not, they don't come. They from wear the time co- shoes. They're a little lighter than the community, but they have Maya Angelou spray painted on the side of that mug, and I guess that makes everything okay. It does, man. So <laughs> I was just like, uh, but. If you see a brewery popping up in your hood, you just know that that means that you it are going to be, be time leaving to grab that HELOC. <laughs> Home equity line of credit. <laughs> no, I, but no, on the real, I know that I'm telling a lot of jokes, but I, I love Southside, where yeah, me and KB are sure. from. And it and is man, being gentrified right now. I have heard. So, yeah. I have heard of people trying to do projects where gentrification does not displace yes. the community, but uh, elevates the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've heard you that. Don't see it done very mm-hmm. often because yeah. often what is driving gentrification is cheap land and yeah. profits. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's very rare that you see them trying to do it in a way that's very uh, that preserves yeah. the community. But there actually is but, a dope project hap- that that happened mm-hmm. around uh, um, uh, around a suitcase city. Yeah, which in is Tampa a, here. Well, I, actually, I actually live in suitcase city. Uh, which is you know a place where people basically are transient. It's just it's just the hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but three billion dollar project yes, came absolutely to that city. Yep, with the requirement that it empowered the yes, community. Yes, absolutely. And which I is sat great. down with the guy who was managing the three billion dollars, and he was very very aware mm-hmm. in which in the ways in which when money shows up, mm-hmm. uh, it's exciting on paper, right? But in reality, it just yeah, displaces. Displaces everybody. So it's like, it's $3 billion here, but you will not get a sense of this. It is not, none this, of that $3 billion is for you. Not for you. Right. Don't, not so fast, right. sticky fingers. Right. They, they essentially are saying that this money is here to make 
our invasion yeah. more comfortable. If and it feels you know, yeah. And I and that's why I love what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Because I wish I wish that folks would do that everywhere. I think that they're trying to preserve a bit of that with with South St. Pete. Like I do, I am glad they do have the brewery and they have the big mural with Maya Angelou. Like yeah, it's yeah. and when you look at it, it still really feels like the community. Like sure, sure, so sure. I think that that's really cool too. And some of the stuff that I think <clears throat> some of the owners of like some of the laundromats have done there to really keep it like you know, kind of community based, like, sure, I, sure. I, and and they, and especially with some of the stuff they do there with a lot of free laundry days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which I, is dope. I, I love That's that. I dope. love that kind of stuff. So it's not, it's not all bad, but uh, there's some stuff that it's like, man, this really feels like, especially like you read about gentrification, you get upset about it, but when I'm riding through where I've grown up and I'm seeing it, 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 there is a little bit of 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 uh, anger there that makes me feel like it really feels like I am watching this mug be colonized. Like right in front of in my in real time in real time yeah yeah, yeah. and it, and it, and it and it feels different than all of the times that I've read about gentrification yeah it's um, happening and seen uh, other examples of it, especially in places like New York especially Harlem and <clears throat> Brooklyn sure but like seeing it in your own neighborhood is kind of yeah it's a, yeah. it gives you some think, emotions that you're kind of like I don't know how I'm feeling right, right now right 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 yeah you it, know it, it is because you're also having to deal with the fact that when <sighs> We saw this when This American Life did this th- yep. that study on these these kids from Ferguson. Yeah, that, that got bust bust into a uh, a school that was uh, well funded and not failing, and the all of the racial Dynamics, turmoil yeah. that that came out of oh that. Oh my gosh! But one of the things that was discovered when in this study was that when you see people integrate into when low resource mm-hmm. is integrated in the high resource, yeah. low if low resource is actually preserved, protected, honored, seat at the table, it raises... It does. In a similar way. So it's like the the difference between like, instead of melting this, whenever you try to melt something, like we we, we were called the melting pot, in America's a melting pot, but typically when you begin to melt things, elements disappear. Elements begin to become compromised. That's actually actually a good point. Uh, But if you think about things in terms of like a salad Mm -hmm. or gumbo, Yes, where 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 things come together and they retain right, and then their, add to, but then then they add to right. That should be the vision of gentrification, and oftentimes that's just rhetoric. Yes, so so that's that's just like we're, we're talking, they'll use that to get their foot in the door. This is what we're gonna do, y'all. These these blocks are are under resourced. If the property value goes up, you know what else goes up is the funding goes right. up. Then we can actually put money into these schools, which we have to argue uh-huh. is. Is is a large part of why communities fail is uh-huh. education. Right, absolutely. Education is on the back of property value. Absolutely. Property value is a determining factor in aptitude or altitude mm-hmm. for a lot of folks. Yeah. So, I mean, for a lot of communities. But that's still just rhetoric because in the end of the day, what it takes for you to actually preserve the people that are there means listening to them, mm-hmm. learning that, learning their needs, not doing something because it'll be good for an outside entity, right. but doing something because it's good for us, right. not just good for me. Yes. That's a lot more difficult of a conversation. And I'm encouraged that these folks in Suitcase City uh-huh. that are doing that, there's a whole innovation district that is pulling people from the community right. and, and, and standing up new legacies Yeah. Through the resources. Which is one of the reasons they met with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I also, but but I, I think that that's a good segue though mm-hmm. into chapter two of Dangerous Jesus. Yes. The chapter two of Dangerous Jesus is called Dangerous Faith. Mm-hmm. 
and I start the 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 I start the chapter off with a story, um, and I'm gonna tell that story here in a second. Yes, yes. But after I after I, I write about that story, I go into this aspect of the Christianity of the land mm-hmm. that I have that I have framed as we are often people of rhetoric. Yep. Not people of reality. Right. Simply because it is easy to talk. Yes. It is easy. And it costs to, you nothing. It costs you nothing. Really. You can say the right things. And it, it costs talk, you. I have as a politicians all the time. We know that. It costs you nothing for, for multiple reasons too, King. One of those being, no one's going to test you on this. We just want to have heard it. Yes. Even Man, I'm thinking about. there's a Especially there's, those who are going to benefit. Exactly. Because it, it, it's, it, it's kind of like an easing of our conscience. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It, it, it makes me think about when I, when I, I graduated from school. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, from Bible college. Everyone in the graduating class had to sign a statement of faith or you could not get a diploma. The statement of faith had the essentials of Christianity on it. Yeah. Like the essentials of like classical orthodoxy. That's right. Right. With some other things uh-huh. like inerrancy. Okay. Yep. And infallibility. Right. If you could not sign off on those statements, you you would not get a, you would not get a degree. Hmm. Affirming the Trinity. Yep. Um, virgin birth. Things like that. Yeah. That were core essentials. Core essentials. If you sign off on those things, you get a degree. The school feels as though they can endorse uh-huh. your diplomacy. Right. I can say this person trained underneath us because they have signed off to this these lists, right. this, this list of core doctrinal values. Right. But every one of those values were simply stated. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It doesn't mean anything. And you know what wasn't on the list with no shade to the school? Because I actually appreciate the school um, uh, in great mm-hmm. depth. I appreciate the school that I graduated from. But there was nothing on the paper about the doctrine of love. What does it mean to live as a lover of God and people in the way you act? Right. Right? That's right. what I mean by doctrine of love. Yeah. What does your societal holiness feel like? Mm-hmm. Not on the list affirming it, uh, or uh, not neither affirming it or articulating it. Right. Let alone living it. Won't you give bring to the table ways in which you are showing that the essential, the thing that will keep you out of heaven, King. Yeah. Is, uh, I think I said this already, but I'll say it again. The thing that will keep you out of heaven is not necessarily or essentially the sharpness of your theology, mm. the accuracy in which you can break down some essential faith. Right. It's an aspect of the faith. What will keep you out of, out of heaven is how you are behaving towards people around you. Absolutely. Nothing in there. And what we say is the marker of those who are truly in. And what I'm saying, I mean, is that oftentimes rhetoric is all we want. Right. We just want people to talk like they're with us. Mm-hmm. The reality They don't though, have to live like they're with us. They don't got to live like they're with us. Think about all of the, the, the tribalism online. Absolutely. I, I'm, I've, I've watched people in interviews where they're answering a question, but I can tell that they're not actually answering the gentle lady or the gentleman that is asking the question. Right. 
they are thinking about their base. Exactly. And they're saying things that aren't even a part of the conversation because they're constantly trying to say, I'm one of you, and I signal that by how I talk. Right. But we don't signal that by how we live. Right. And that's what that's what also makes it so difficult for us to be co-belligerent with people that don't talk like us. Mm-hmm. I can't march with you. I can't link arms with you. you. Have the right I rhetoric. can't partner with you. You don't talk right. Right. Even though there might be a net positive to the ways in which you are serving the community, right. denominations, many of them, many of the many of the denominations that exist to this day exist as an expression of people not talking the same as us. Right. Even if you could take, if you could weigh the the, if you could take a uh, an amalgam, bro, of how they live, uh-huh. act, believe, uh-huh. you will find there to, to be almost no difference. Right. Who they love, right. what they hate. Right. But on some of these doctrinal hairs, yeah. we will, we will, man, oh my gosh, bro. If you look through church history, yeah. over jots and tittles, yeah. lives have been sacrificed. Yeah, people have been killed. Ended. Uh-huh. Right. Churches burned down, schisms right. launched. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because we are rhetoric people. Yeah. Talk how we talk. It, it, it makes me think about yes. First Corinthians. Yeah. Paul addresses the Corinthian church by talking about those who are creating these schisms right. regarding which teacher they're under. Yes, yes, yes. You have folks that are saying, I'm under Apollos. Uh-huh. Some saying I'm under I'm under Apollos. Some saying I'm under Paul. Right. Some saying I'm of Cephas. Some saying I am of Jesus. Yes. And what's so crazy about that is the background is that in Corinth, as we know, Corinth were rhetoric people. They were rhetoric people, bro. They were. This talking, is why talkers. Paul says in First Corinthians, he's he he makes it very clear to the Corinthians that I did not come. Preaching the gospel to you, he says in the beginning of chapter two, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom. So the reason why Paul is saying this to the Corinthians is he's saying, I know that y'all love rhetoric. Oh, I love talking. And if if y'all understand the background, Corinth had the sophist, which were rhetoricians that would go around. And they would speak. They would be like philosophers almost. It's funny because Plato later on came and said that those guys were clowns and they were shams and they were just trying to get people's money. But they would speak and they they loved rhetoric. They loved using all kind of lofty language and words and it entertained people. And what these sophists would do is that they would acquire a following. And in that that following, they would acquire disciples and these folks would follow them. The the thing about the sophists also is that they had uh, a lot of uh, cultural power in the sense that some of these sophists had an ear with the governing authorities. And so they had a lot of cultural influence. So they had folks that would come under certain sophists because they also wanted to eat off of that cultural influence. So if I could say I belong to the school of uh, uh, Jimmy, right. then uh, and Jimmy got is is in good with the government, right. and they find out that I'm one of Jimmy's disciples, that helps me, you know, open the doors for certain, right. a whole bunch of different things. That's right. So what would happen is that in Corinth, you had all of these different sophists, and they would have they would have disciples, they would have schools, and what happened is that the sophists would really start actually using very, very, very uh, 
uh, just mean and vituperative, like kind of just uh, harsh language towards one another. They had these rivalries with one another. Sure. So the teachers would be talking trash about one another. Yeah. And that kind of bitterness and resentment and uh, cruelty and snide would trickle down to the students, and then the students would start talking ah. trash to one another. And all Sounds of the like schools Twitter. would be... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and then all of these schools of these different sophists would constantly be rivaling one, rivaling one another, right, warring right, right. against one another. Right. And so as the Corinthian church gets set up, Paul sets this church up, but it has all you have all of these folks that are coming through and teaching them the word of God. You have Paul, you have Apollos, right? right? They start doing what they were doing in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they start saying, oh, I'm under Paul. Yeah, Paul's my guy. Paul's my guy. Yeah. Then some people, Paul, people, people, you ever people, heard of him? Right. So that's the cultural tendency of the time. Yes. Was to link yourself under these certain sophists. Even certain cities would be associated with certain sophists. Right. So the Corinthian church starts saying, oh, I'm under this person. I'm Apollos. under Paul. I'm under Apollos. Yes. I, well, guess what? Y'all can all be under Paul. Y'all can all be guess under Paul. But I'm under Jesus. Yeah, boy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And so this is what Paul says to them in Corinthians. Hold on, wait, wait. Don't, 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 don't. Let's not skip past that, though. Don't, yes, underemphasize that, that Paul also says, uh -huh. some of you are saying, oh, you got, oh, oh, you with who? Uh, yeah, 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 I'm with Jesus. Right. Paul and then is they also rebuking Jesus, them. And they get rebuked because they're also using Jesus yes. as a sword and shield as their guy against the others. Let's not, let's not skip over that. Paul is rebuking people for not just for not just using men as a point of rivalry, but using Jesus Himself as a point of rivalry, rivalry. of others within the body of Christ, specifically within the church. Yes. Right? Come on. So Come on, this me. is what Paul is doing, and then Paul tells him, "Hey, I wish that I could address y'all as spiritual people. Yes, but I'm addressing y'all as infants in Christ with milk, and not with solid food. Right?" Because jealousy and strife is still among you. And Paul is saying this is all happening in the context of you all separating yourself under different teachers because of what? Their rhetoric. Yes, bro. It was all about the rhetoric. The rhetoric. And this is why Paul makes it very clear. I did not come to you speaking in lofty speech because what I am giving you, Corinthians, is not about rhetoric. Yes, brother. It's about righteousness. Yes, 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 right? yes, yes, yes. And he says to them, he says to them, he says to, to them, you know, uh, what is Paul? What is Apollos? Yes. We're nothing but servants through who you believed. Yes, right? Yes, I yes, planted yes, yes. Apollos water. So then Paul starts teaching them how this works. Yes. Hey, this whole thing about rhetoric and teachers and, and aligning yourself under certain people because of what they say and then rivaling with yes. the other people that don't may, may not agree yes. or may not say things as eloquently or whatever the case may be. And then right. having these factions, which y'all are saying, we, we are better than you. Uh -huh. You all are embracing a kind of spiritual elitism. Ooh. And the elitism is based upon nothing other than rhetoric. Yes. You're not even concerned about how Apollos is living his life and how I'm living my life and how Cephas is living yes. his life because we're all living the same. Yes, yes. What you're actually dividing over is rhetoric. Yes, yes, and yes. And then y'all are turning, y'all are forming tribes yes. in which y'all are warring against one another yes. because he says this, he says this like this, he says this like that, yes. he says this like that, or yes. what he says, I like how he emphasizes this, right. Apollos don't emphasize this, or Paul don't emphasize what Apollos emphasizes here, He that is what they, and That's Paul right. says, you are acting as fleshly people, he yes. calls it 
fleshly. Yes. Worldly. Is that not unspiritual? Our though, bro. That is still us. Oof, that's us, bro. Now, that's me. Yes, yes. It's us. Yeah, I, I talk about uh, in the book, I'm not sure if I do it in this chapter, mm-hmm. but I talk about who do you consider to be the most powerful men and women of God among you? Who are the strongest theologians that you can think of? The most gifted, the most, if you're from our space, anointed. Is it the guy or the gal that talks the best? Ooh, man, Is that who it is? Because we're those people, KB. Yes. We are impressed with Rhetorical speech. I'm, 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 if, if, and, and typically, it is the guy that Eloquency. talks the best, and and that's what you'll even see happening in communities. Where in our church, for example, there is a sister in our church. She is a giant in the faith. Giant sister might be body. a giant might be an understatement. That's an understatement. I mean, she is one of the most godly women that I have ever, ever met in my ever, life. Ever, She is a, she, uh, we had the pleasure of knowing her and her husband. Her husband passed away a few years ago. But he was also he a was also super a godly man. Of God. man. I, I'll never forget a conversation of him pulling me aside when I had just got married and I was talking to him a little bit about uh, just uh, uh, something I was trying to figure out with trying to explain something to my wife and I, I remember he's a tall brother. Tall, he's really tall, tall man. Tall brother. Yeah. He's got, looking down at me and said, KB, you know, listen man, you're too focused on trying to be right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you need to focus on trying to love her. Yes. We, you, you see, men, men, men we, we want to fix everything. You, you get your chance to fix something later. Yeah. We said, but right now, man, just rub her feet, man. Yeah. Here I. Uh-huh. And then talk about what you need to talk about. You got to you, you get into that order. Now, I remember him dropping no mails like, dang, you right. Yeah. All I am, I'm like, my wife coming with a problem. I'm like, stop for a second. I have the answer. We <laughs> fix this mug for you right now. It's like, well, this isn't fixing time. This is right. listening time. I don't, I'm not a listener, babe. Right. I'm a fixer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let me be me. <laughs> I'm an eagle. You gotta let me fly. You gotta let me fly, baby. <laughs> let me fly. Anyways. But anyways, Sister Bonnie. Uh, I've never heard her give a, a sermon. Most of us, most people, most people in this world will have never heard of her. Mm-hmm. Never heard of, of Sister Bonnie. But I'll tell you what, there is a school in uh Tampa, Florida right now oh, yes. that is uh that was failing. Yep. And and that her presence and service uh for 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 little pay that helped to turn that thing around, that she has fostered. Dozens of children. Yes. She's discipled dozens yes. of people. She is a, has a servant's heart, servant's heart. She is recognized in our community. And it's not just private. I mean, she has been awarded hundreds of thousands of dollars from other organizations. Yes. And she gives every single dime into the mission. This woman is a, is a giant in the faith. Absolutely. And when I think about, and this is, and if, I, if I'm not thinking this way, God help me. God but when I think me. about who are the most powerful women of God that I know, I'm not talking about somebody that talks good at a conference. Right. I never Ooh, met this person. God help us. I'm thinking about Sister Bonnie. Yes. I'm not thinking about the dude that can go through the text with, with ingenuity. Yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah. Steph Curry right. of, of, of exegesis. I, right. You don't need to know Jesus to be able to do that. That's very true. Do not. You don't. Let us. I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not going to bring it up, but because everybody always goes to Germany when they start talking about extremes. So, (laughs) you know who I'm referring to. But let us not forget every regime that did great evil in this world had a dude at the front that could talk good. Oh man, absolutely. Good talkers. And some of them also had dudes that could talk good that had Bibles. 
So they could teach good too. Come on, Meansy. You know what I'm saying? Come on, Meansy. And I and, I'm, and and don't get me wrong. I praise God for people that can talk good. No, it's good because it was also people with Bibles that could talk good that talked to other people with Bibles that could talk good and argued away slavery. So absolutely, I'm, I'm, <laughs> there's there, but we're we're not clowning. You know, so yeah, that's we're, right. We're not downplaying. But we the, also need to recognize right. that you have not landed at the presence of God or the power of God or the character of a man of God because they can speak good when the lights are on. Right. Right. And what I'm saying is what Paul is in, 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 in a relationship to what I mean has expertly and eloquently made 3D for us is that what Paul is saying here, and I'm, even as you were talking, I was thinking about mm-hmm. the rest of that verse. Right. He says that my speech, my rhetoric, my message was not implausible words of wisdom, yep. but in demonstration of the spirit and, and of power. power. So what does that mean? Wait, verse five. Yeah. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but, but in, in the, the power, power of God. God. That's the, that, that is the, so the whole thing, you listen to what Paul is saying. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and of power so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power Come of God. On, sir. He's saying that to a bunch of people that love rhetoricians. Yeah. He's saying, I did not come with lofty speech and wisdom because I wanted you to believe in Jesus because the spirit and his power has transformed and changed you. Not because I talk good. Come on, sir. Not because I talk good. Talk to me nice, bro. I'll tell you this too, King. Somebody asked me the other day, it was a parent, they were talking about, you know, you being in the Christian music industry and you got all these Christian artists who are just punning the faith, uh, Mm. like it's, or, 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 taking a driver like his top golf and shooting the, the the faith off into a field and and then they're also like celebrating it on their Instagram like I'm free now of the chains of this Jesus wow mind you his whole thing was freedom but for some reason it felt like chains to you and they said what do we do with their music you know obviously we don't, we're not going to play it anymore but how do we protect our people for from folks that are making music about Jesus and then and then somehow then they end up walking away from Jesus and uh-huh. I'm like let me give you just two quick answers first of all uh-huh. a lot of people that are rapping and singing about Jesus and ain't living for him and you need to be aware of that right, right now yeah. and go ahead and make that make sense in your theology uh-huh. because uh you just are getting the courageous ones that'll tell yeah, the truth. Yeah, uh, I was thinking about a psychologist that said he spoke to a pastor one time and he said, I actually do not believe in God. I'm just good at him. Yeah. How many of us? That's what he said. Need to hear that. I yeah. need to hear that, bro. Yeah. So you got to recognize that that is happening in mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. I said, the second thing is you need to teach. I don't think you should punt all their songs. Should, should you not listen to uh, one of my favorite singers in the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she, she left the faith. And I still listen to her songs to this day. I don't believe that I need to delete her songs off my playlist. Yeah. Let me tell you why. If it's communicating truth. It is communicating truth. But let me tell you why. And I understand the folks that is the people who do have the dilemma because right, I get it these too. are people that are representing the Lord that let you that let you down yeah. and, and they misled us and, yeah. and all these kind of I understand that. There's plenty of room for outrage. Uh-huh. But let me tell you why I don't stop there. 
that I go to a place, I want to go to a place of sober-mindedness. And my sober-mindedness is this. Everything that I'm listening to is the wisdom of men. Mm -hmm. It is their ability to put words together about God, like these rhetoricians were doing in the early church. These are people, you will not find a semblance of heresy or unorthodoxy. You won't find a semblance of false doctrine. What you find in their teaching is rich biblical theater. Because Paul doesn't say, these dudes ain't even really teaching the truth for real. Right, he didn't, He puts Jesus in the category as well. We know Jesus' words were all right. Exactly, you're right, that's good. This is not about the validity of what they're saying. Yes. What this is about is that you are drawn to it because of you like the way it sounds. Yes, the wrong reason. You're drawn to the truth for the wrong reason. Exactly. You're drawn to the truth for the wrong reason. So I want to teach my boys. I want want us to teach our church members to be drawn to the truth in these songs for the truth in the songs, not the guy who wrote them. Yeah, that's good. And, 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 And because... I don't want, verse 5, as Paul says, your faith to rest on the wisdom of men in a studio in Nashville. I don't want your faith to rest on the wisdom of men in a sermon series on YouTube. I don't want your faith to rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And that is the difference between rhetoric and reality. Yes. What I'm arguing for in the chapter, Dangerous Faith. Uh Uh-huh is that the Christianity of the land is a Christianity of rhetoric where you can build full careers, churches, whatever, all on the back of talking. Right, and not doing. But the Christianity of Christ is a Christianity of reality. It is a world of love. It is a world of demonstration of the power of God, of the the Spirit's presence. The Christianity of Christ is about transformation the Christianity of the land is about presentation and for us to become serious about moving from rhetoric to reality means everything for if we will see the gospel take root like we pray it will like it has in our lives like how we hope for our culture our churches our our country we want reality not simply rhetoric yeah. and the means by which we begin to take steps in that direction direction is by not running from the things that cost us yes okay yes i tell this story in the beginning of the chapter of dangerous faith about how my um my degree in bible college was missions yep I, I saw myself as becoming a missionary. Yep, yep. Um, I was headed into ministry uh, before Lecrae showed up with a record deal. Yeah. Um, I had been on mission trips, uh, was seriously considering moving to South America. Mm-hmm. Um, had talked to some of my friends about it. Uh, we we had I had talked to a pastor down there. We were kind of talking to what that talking through what that might look. Like, yeah. Uh, but while I was in South America, I was having an email exchange with my friend, who then became my girlfriend, then fiance, then wife, Michelle. And as we were talking, I even through email was like, "This woman is like that, bro. Yeah, she's like that, bro. Yeah." Uh, and I got home and I said, "We gonna plant churches in America because I am not <laughs> leaving her." Uh, so, uh, so Michelle made sure that I stay here in the States, but I did feel very strongly 
earlier in my Christian walk that God was calling me to be a missionary. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've been to, oh, man, 20 countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have went to every one of them with the exception of Dominican, the Dominican Republic as a missionary. Yeah. I went to the Dominican Republic as a tourist. <laughs> when I got this opportunity, uh, so an op- excuse me, an opportunity was presented at, at, at church. Um, I had just started attending this, this small church, Living Faith Bible Fellowship. So I'm, I'm at the church. And um, I find out that this church is supporting several churches in West Africa. Right. Sending money. Right. They, I think they believe they sent some missionaries there before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the churches, this is before Ebola, right before Ebola. Yeah, yeah. Um, the churches were needing of strengthening. Mm-hmm. And um, the pastor was going to organize, was going to organize a group of uh, folks from the church to go, yeah. My pastor was going to organize yep. a group of folks from the church to go on this trip. When I got, when I heard the opportunity, I was like, "Oh, well, sign me up. I do this." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm Mr. Missionary. I, this is me. My Mr. passport is tatted up. You feel Mr. me, Mr. Missionary? Passport looking like <laughs> little pump. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> oh you man, know what I'm saying big stepper. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Call, talk to me right. Talk to me nice. So, uh, so my pastor was like, "Well, I'm gonna have." Uh, Everyone that is like signing up to go uh, meet at my house uh, on Wednesday. We're gonna watch a documentary that is detailing, um, you know, kind of the situation we are going to parachute into. Right. So I get over to my pastor's house. I walk in. I glide and I saunter. Yeah, you saunter in. You, you know ready to saying? do I'm this? I'm looking thing. around. Y'all got y'all. Hey. Did you get your yellow fever yet? Hey, hey, yeah, y'all you got, got your malaria shot. Hey. Got your malaria shot yet? Hey, you ever did this before? Let you me tell you, I got, a, I got a rule book here how to break this Let down. Me, let me tell you how to do it now. Now, when you get when you get that yellow fever shot, now just all, all you want to do is just squeeze your fist tight because it's thing a little bit in the beginning, but it'll go away in a few minutes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let me know if you. I'll I'll, I'll I'll tell you my doctor who gave them to me. <laughs> so I'm feeling myself and. Uh, <laughs> And I sit down to watch this documentary and to make a long story short, the documentary comes on and it's brutal, brother. Yeah. I mean, it is covering civil war. Two civil wars that yeah. happened back to back. Do you know in some African cult- countries what happened in at the capital? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like Oh yeah, this like, is like a it made it, like a normal occurrence. Oh yes. Made the it, capital look like a playground. Yeah, 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 bro. I mean, in in some of these, uh, in some countries mm-hmm. in Africa, mm-hmm. um, not just Africa, just in the third world in general. Yeah. A group of men will storm a government building and grab the president. Yeah. And execute him. And then establish a new president. That's, yep. So, it, it, so there was two civil wars back to back, but it was also a, a very animistic culture. So mm-hmm. it's rampant witchcraft, right. cannibalism. Right. Um, and, and don't don't let me just smove over the witchcraft thing. Yes. Brothers and sisters, witchcraft is real. It, it okay? is real. It, it is very, very real. The yeah. kinds of things that were observed and when I yeah, it, it, the, the kind of things that were happening in these, mm-hmm. these uh these um these places were supernatural. Were supernatural. Based some upon demonic like demonic stuff power. was happening. Right. Um, so all this stuff was happening. There was also some missionaries that were killed there mm-hmm. um, not too long before uh, we were planning on going. It was scary, King. Mm-hmm. My pastor turns the documentary off and we're all shook. At least I'm shook. Yeah. 
And all I can think of is, how do I get out of this? I walked in here way too fast. Look before you leap. That's what that phrase Where means. Where is the eject button? Yes, that's right, get bro. Me off of this. You got to put a toe in the water before you jump in. There may be sharks down there. Okay? But uh, I'm here, and my pastor turns the documentary off, and he looks at the room, and he's like, he, he said something to the effect of, I'm not, anybody that doesn't want to go on this trip, don't, don't, don't feel like you're being carnal or ungodly or, or you're right to want to protect your life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I immediately thought about the, the, the commandment of thou shalt not kill. The necessary consequence of that is that thou shalt protect the life you have. <laughs> you should do things to keep yourself safe. Right. Lock your doors. Right. All right. 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 He said, so there's no shame here. I'm not, he's, I'm, he, he didn't want to shame anyone. He said, but let me be clear. And I was expecting him to say, guys, this documentary was made a long time yeah, ago. This was bad. You know how Hollywood is. Yeah, it's not, it's not like that anymore. Yeah, yeah, everything's fine. We're good. No, 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 no. He did not, he did not blunt the edge. Yeah. He sharpened it. He said, if you want to go on this trip, you were being asked to lay your life down for Christ. And he went on to some other really incredible things. Pretty much everything my pastor says. Yeah, he's is, pretty. He's just, he's just brilliant. Yeah. And deeply, deeply rooted in uh, the, the spiritual, the spirit life. Amen. I didn't hear nothing he said. All I heard was I'm laying my life right down for Christ and I am young and I'm not trying to die. I went out to my car. <laughs> yeah, said he might as well not even have said anything yeah, else. He was like Charlie Brown. Yeah, wah, 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 Second Peter. Wah, 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 Eternity. Wah, 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 People's souls. Wah, 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 wah. We leave November fifteenth. That's all I heard. Uh, <laughs> so, because I was entrenched in my own fear and mm-hmm. self-preservation, mm-hmm. so I went out to the car. Uh, drove home on my way home. I'm wrestling with God. Lord, I, it's stuff I'm trying to do for you in life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know I can glorify you in death. But right, right. I, what about the land of the living, Lord? I want to see your goodness here. That's what David said. David yeah. said, I'm trying to see. I ain't trying to go to the to the underworld. To yeah, see your right, right. I, I want to know see- you're good right now. Right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly, David. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, David, I feel you, cuz. <laughs> Anyways, I'm driving home. And I'm wrestling with God. And at some point, I'm just like, Lord, this isn't a wrestle anymore. This is a decision. We not going <laughs> I'm on not going. We not going on. Me, myself, and I will not be there. I know you will be there, Lord, but you will be there with them. I will not be with you, God. It says he goes before me. Well, he went by himself because I stayed back. Oh. But I knew I didn't want to. I didn't, but then I started thinking about, you know, appearance. And yeah. I, like, I don't want to come off like I'm scared. So I thought, you know, when I get home, I'm going to act like my first father, Adam. And I'm going to try to pin this mug on my wife. I'm going to tell her how terrible this is. And she's going to shut this mug down. And this will be the end of the day. And then I can go back and say, and well, my wife doesn't want My wife, you, you know, you, you know me. I would, I'm you know missionary. I'm, I'm missionary Maddie. They call me Pistol Pete. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Apostle Pistol Peter is what they call me. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to fire off with a kid. You, you put me, hey. Turn me upside put, down. Put girl. me anywhere. I'm like a cannon. Hey, bro. Put me here. Face me this way. <laughs> Face me that way. Face me over here. Face me over there. I'm just ready like, to go. All, all you got to do is put the battery in hey, my back. That's all you got to do. Man, ask me twice, bro. They, they used to call me Kevin 1040 Window Burgess. That's what they used to call me back in the day. 
That's what they used to call because they were like, man, he always he trying to go. Oh my God. And anyways, uh, so I get home. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. I walk into the house and then I sit my wife down. And I'm like, you don't want to have a seat for this. And I begin to very dramatically explain to her, hey, this trip is not like, this isn't like the other trips where there's always a risk when you go on a mission yeah, trip. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're fairly confident. Right. At least 90% sure you're coming back right, home. Right, right, right. This was probably around like a 68. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I, I said, I was like, baby, they basically want us to go to hell on earth, girl. They want us down. They ain't gonna they kill us. We're not gonna, gonna die. You're gonna be a widow, girl. We only been married for a few years. They want us out of here. Baby girl, what should we do? <laughs> they are shooting. Are so they are stupid. shooting. They are shooting somebody go get the gun. They so are shooting outside. Go home. Go get the gun. <laughs> So, uh, so I, 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 I just, I broke down. I, I broke it down for very, very dramatically. Uh-huh. And wifey came back with, is God calling you to go? I was like, what kind of question is what that? What kind of question is that? You know what I'm saying? How dare you ask me? Is God calling me to go? We're, we're it's God, to, uh, it's God calling about, you to go? Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> How does this turn into a vocation conversation? This ain't Oz Guinness. We over here just trying to figure out if we want to have a life together. Do you love me? That's the real question. You should have asked, do you love me? Okay? But I was like, you know, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Uh, you know, is God calling <laughs> you know me to go? exactly I, what you should mean. I, I was like, I mean, yes. I mean, I'm, I am a missionary. God trained me for this. I think I could really serve in this situation. Like, I, I think all signs point to that God is beckoning me on this trip. And I think also in that moment too, I didn't want to seem weak in front of my wife either. Yeah. I didn't want to be like, no, I am. We, we are in trouble. <laughs> like when Dave. What Chappelle, are we gonna do? When Dave Chappelle talked about how you can't like be vulnerable with your kids, yeah. you can't just come home and say. Baby boy, I lost my job. It is over. <laughs> I am stressed. I don't know how we're going to pay this rent. <laughs> my eight-year-old's like, what does that mean for my Legos? <laughs> exactly. uh, so anyways, I'm, I'm, I, I said, no, no, I feel like God's calling me on this mug. And she said, well, I think you should go. I said, what if I don't come back? And she says, and I quote, I'm not saying this sound cute on yeah. mm -hmm. this podcast or whenever I tell the story on stage or in the book. <clears throat> I say, if, she said, if you don't come back, God will take care of me. You do what he's calling you to do. That's what she said. And that moment of courage ministered to me. Mm -hmm. Not immediately. At yeah, first, right. I was like, yo, this is really happening. But that moment of courage made me take introspection. I went back to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it was as if the Lord said to me, you stand on all these stages talking about the sufficiency of Christ and power of the gospel and you, you talk about following him following him into the scary place when we even talk something even as trivial but important as standing in front of young people and talking to them about you know keeping themselves for the sanctity of marriage right. and all, all, all the uh, breaking off that toxic relationship breaking uh from a partnership that is you know that is is carnal and all the hard things you tell people to do in light of Jesus. Right, right. Do you believe any of that when it's time for you to practice it? And that landed on me like a ton of bricks and, the, you know, 
it was, I was going to make a long story short, so I won't make a long story longer. I went on a trip. And I, I went on this trip pursuing Jesus and whatever he had for me. Um, one of the individuals on our trip made a video for their family in the event, was going to make a video, video for a family member so that if they didn't come back, they would have a video saying, hey, I, I laid my life down for the cause of the, mm-hmm. of the gospel. Uh, we went 18 hours to the jungle, and I distinctly remember one night, I tell this story, I was laying on a concrete bed, mosquito net around me, middle of the jungle, middle of the night, and I started laughing, bro. Um, not like laughing church laughing, mm-hmm. but like just joy in my heart, like chuckling, like, wow, God, you were good. Because here I am, tired, hungry, hot, 18 hours into the jungle, mm-hmm. a continent away from my family, and the joy of the Lord is strengthening me. Mm-hmm. I would rather be here laying on this concrete bed in the middle of the jungle than anywhere else in the world right now. Right, right. Because you're smiling at me while I'm here. And that showed me a angle of yeah. what true faith is that I never would have experienced unless I dove into the costly, the scary, the uncomfortable, the unair-conditioned right. places in pursuit of the call of God. When I follow God's call into that space, what I found, and I know people say this, but I'm just going to say it again, you go to those places to reach people and all God does is use those places to reach mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. because it was in that place, the scary place, that God's voice was loudest, that his presence was uh, more discernible, his mm-hmm. leadings more uh, present. Um, and it brought a sense of fervor mm-hmm. that I cannot deny that the moment I landed back in America at LaGuardia Airport, and I stepped my two feet back on American soil, and I turned my phone back on, and all the text messages and the Instagram and the Twitter, all the normacy of the comforts and luxuries of first world living emerged again. It felt like I was being lulled to sleep, bro. Like drowsy. Like I felt wide awake. And then when I landed... You know, I'm here. Like, I know what's going on, right. but it's just like a fog right. that starts to, starts to ensue, which showed me that it isn't that, that serving Jesus in, hard pl- in, in, in third world countries is the hard place to love Jesus. It's hard to love Jesus in America, bro. Mm. Th- this is the hard place. This is the, this is the place where we should feel as I said, I'm sorry to quote myself, but I did. I, I actually, I, oh, I, I quoted it in the top of the chapter. Who's in more danger, the persecuted or the comfortable? Because there's something about security, as good as it is. Don't get me wrong. Right. We're not saying you do not romanticize people living in the third world, especially folks that are living. In, and this to be clear, there's a difference between living in abject poverty, where you're right. living, where we're living in famine, and just leave, living with little. Right. I'm talking about people who are living with with, with in abject poverty. Right. They, right. You, you don't romanticize that. Oh, I was around them, and they just had these big smiles. They loved Jesus. They loved God. Mm-hmm. And they just were so happy. And look at me. I'm complaining because my Starbucks order was wrong. Don't romanticize the fact that they had joy. Right. Because. Oftentimes, the fact that they're living so 
disparately from you is because of injustice. Right, exactly. So I want to be careful with that. Mm -hmm. But it is true, bro, that the devil is good at air conditioning our faith, uh, padding, mm -hmm. as my pastor always says, padding our cross, mm -hmm. defanging the sting right. of obedience so that we would be lulled to sleep, mm -hmm. no threat to anyone, uh, continue in our division, continue in our immorality, mm -hmm. continue in our uh, half-hearted, lukewarm reflections of the Lord Jesus so nothing gets done for the kingdom. Mm. That's the devil's playground. Yeah. And he is running wild on that mug. And what the chapter is calling for is for us to shake things up some. Yeah. For us to commit ourselves to following Jesus into the uncomfortable. Because it's uncomfortable, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> because something is uncomfortable does not mean it is not of God. It yeah. is often in the furnace that God likes to shine the brightest. But if you don't follow in obedience, better said, you'll never get to know what it is to have God with you in the fire. Mm -hmm. Moreover, you'll never have the joy of walking out of the fire unsinged. Mm. Is that the word? Yeah. You'll, get, you'll never get that joy. You'll never get the joy of being with God in obedience, in faith, in trust, stepping out. And that's in big and small ways. It's not just mission. Not even near. It's not even mainly mission trips. It could just be simply telling someone about Jesus or praying for, with somebody. Yeah. It could be simply, I'm going to work this pay period and donate this money. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm going to serve at the church even though it's on top of everything else I'm doing. Right. I ain't going to be a present help in this, at whatever. Those places, man. I'll never forget, man, listening to this talk. They had a terrible name. I'm okay. not even going to repeat the name of the talk. It was okay. at a, a dope Christian conference huh. talking about pornography. And this brother was talking, to, and the, the brother was talking about how like many of us, he had tried everything. I mean, that, that brother was like, he said, I had filters on top of filters. You know what I'm saying? I had covenant eyes. I had, you know what I'm I saying? Had, I had Purified eyes. I had, I had covenanted angel. eyes. I had covenanted eyes. I had covenantal <laughs> eyes. Okay. I had, I had covenanting eyes. I had covenanting eyes. <laughs> Well, he has a new program called eyes. Job Eyes. I had clean eyes. I had Job Eyes. I had New Testament eyes. Old Testament eyes. I had soteriological eyes. Okay? I had eschatological eyes. I had pneumatological eyes. <laughs> My man said he had he had tried everything. And he said, um, you know, calling your friends afterwards. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I've been through it all. And he said, the only place that he saw true victory over pornography mm -hmm. was when he was given a responsibility at church to serve these group the, as a group of people. I believe I could be getting the, the details uh -huh. right. I believe with some elderly folks. Uh -huh. He was responsible to serve them. Yeah, and so he was making sure that they had the things that they need: Bible study, communion. He was helping to carry the burdens of others. I know that was a part of it. Mm -hmm. And in his service, he felt grip of the dragon loosen off his neck. Mm -hmm. uh, some might argue that the dragon never goes away. You'll be slaying the dragon all the, all the days of your life. Mm -hmm. But he got 
distance from the dragon. Right, right, right. Stood the dragon down and saw tr a tremendous amount of victory like he had never seen before, but it was only on the back of him being willing to sacrifice and serve where it was challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he found freedom. Yeah. That he found life, a change of desire. Right. That transformation starts with rhetoric, mm -hmm. but it isn't facilitated by rhetoric. It starts with what comes out of folks' mouths, but don't be mistaken. Hearts are changed. That's what I mean by transformation. By what is happening with what you do with your hands as well. Right. How you serve, how you uh, uh, sacrifice, the ways in which you might lean into something that's more uncomfortable, but it glorifies God. Uh -huh. Those rhythms reach the heart in ways that talking does not. Right. That's what our faith has to lean towards. Now, I go deeper into that in the book, so I don't feel like I already, I already heard that much. I just, I don't no, no, you only got a little taste. <laughs> but that's basically taste. what the chapter's about. Yeah. It's, it's about the dangerous faith that, that is beginning to move from rhetoric to reality. And I talk about reality, and I talk about that in, in a political standpoint. Yeah. I talk about that in terms of the abortion conversation, the gay marriage conversation, mm -hmm. and other ways in which we can be better at talking than we are about the real-life experience. Because mm. in that place, it's in that real-life action mm -hmm. that we are transformed, and the Christianity of Christ transforms the folks around us. Well, That's my been, brothers hey, and hey, sisters, it, this has been Southside Rabbi. Hey. One thing you need to make sure you do is pre-order Dangerous Jesus. You need to, please, and and you know what? And and the the first lady, okay, in my estimation, of North American Christianity, okay, Jackie Hill Perry. All oh right? man, she forwarded that mug. <laughs> She for she's the first lady of uh, yes yes oh uh, yes we are massive Jackie Hill Perry f uh, fans uh -huh. um and have been so helped by her mm -hmm. and her courage uh and her insight theological precision yes. she is a theologian uh, a theologianess yeah um Jackie Hill Perry wrote the forge of this book the forge worth the book no it is I'm being honest. It really with is, you. though. I'm she, being honest with you. It's I'm good. asking her, can we just take her forward and then just make it 13 chapters and then sell it for $24.99? Uh, but she said no. She she also recorded, she also recorded um her chapter for the audiobook. So you will get to hear the amazing artist, poet, theologian, mm -hmm. um, Bible teacher, Jackie Hill Perry, yourself in the audiobook. So shout out to Jackie Hill Perry. Thank you so much, sister. You are literally. Uh, one of our biggest heroes in this world. Amen. And uh, we love you. This has been Southside Rabbi. I am KT, the second letter. A mean dream. Peace out. We out of here. We had to drive 18 hours into the jungle. One of the sisters with us, the roads were so bad that one of the sisters with us 
because we hit so many holes and had to go over these weird winding bridges, uh, got a concussion. Sister got a concussion in the car um, because it was just, you know, the, the rental car. It was a car, brutal ride. Yeah, we rented, rented a van and basically the people at the rental car company are like, so this van isn't coming back in the same piece, so you just got to pay for all of the repairs because this thing is just jacked up. And, and the van actually broke down. It, we, it wasn't the van. It was, I was in another vehicle. Uh, once we got to where we were going to be at, we had another, We got in another vehicle because we went to this school that was out there and that vehicle broke down. And I remember we had to stop at like the local mechanic and the local mechanic had to change out the brakes you, and you got to constantly do this because the roads are terrible. Yeah, yeah. Funny story about that though. I uh, remembered my uh, Americanness was just showing terribly uh, because we went to this guy to fix our brakes and he was trying to charge us all this money. And my reaction was, we're not paying all that. We'll just go somewhere else. And my translator was like, there is nowhere else, American. This Turned is the back only to the guy. Dude and said, sorry, we'll get you your money. Right. 